It has been amazing to be able to curate this edition, and it feels like a really important topic um, at the moment. What do you think, Wajid? Uh, I just wanted to say how much I've enjoyed guest editing this uh, themed issue for the Future Healthcare Journal. Uh, it's been a wonderful learning experience, and it's been a very exciting commissioning and curating uh, the range of articles that we've um, been able to put into the um, issue. When we first started discussing this almost almost a year ago, uh, we kind of very quickly, I think, both of us agreed that the key to the oncoming uh, revolution that's going to be uh, hitting us in healthcare um, with all the new technologies is um, the clinician uh, healthcare workforce, I think many of us uh, don't feel ready for it and I don't feel uh, we have the right skills or capacities to work it. Um, and so uh, we, I think both of us wanted to kind of focus on this group of uh, people who feel the need for um, to be represented in that space uh, because we have all these kind of amazing doctorpreneurs who seem to be able to do anything with uh, technology. But for the vast majority of our workforce, um, they really do struggle and they are very suspicious of this. And uh, we need to kind of increase the inclusivity of digital within the NHS and beyond. And I'm very passionate about trying to include everybody uh, in this uh, kind of uh, area because without everyone's involvement, we're really going to struggle. It's been amazing to work with you. And I think we've looked at some of the same challenges, but in very different ways. And, and you're right, Rigid, there's a real policy, real world gap on the topic of the future digital health workforce. And I guess what we've been able to do uh, is to bring a number of different perspectives to the table, uh, some kind of more from a structured education perspective and others a little bit more fluid that reflect a narrative uh, of lived experiences, which is slightly unusual, but felt like the right thing to do. I think that's a good point because, I mean, uh, a lot of the top, the topo report, you know, an amazing report done by kind of a really... Um, learned erudite cardiologist um, who talks all about how uh, the workforce is important and made lots of really good recommendations but they feel somewhat slightly removed from the day-to-day -day problems and issues of the NHS in this country and globally even so I think it was really lovely to see uh, the kind of the experiences of how people have become digital leaders and I think that was for me one of the most interesting things about this I, I think if I were to so Sheena, if you were to choose one of the papers or, or what would be your favourite? I know you're not supposed to choose favourites, but what did you find struck a chord with you the most? You know we're not supposed to have favourites. And I will perhaps sit on the fence because there were a few themes. And I know, Widji, we've talked about this back and forth that felt really important and, you know, that made compelling cases. And kind of digital upskilling, you've alluded to, to some of the important characteristics um, of that topic. That felt pertinent. Um, and we had a few good papers on that. Behavioural design and behavioural science, again, the ways in which we think about applying new technologies into healthcare felt important. And you know me well enough to know that kind of where it comes to compassionate care, um, that especially, you know, in the way in which we redesign experiences that have benefited uh, with the use of new and novel technologies, 
kind of the way in which we retain compassionate care is just so, so important. So if I had to choose, I guess I could maybe stick with the latter, um, that lived experiences through COVID and how frugal technologies have been introduced uh, whilst retaining compassionate care. That, that rings true uh, to me and maybe sits with my value set as well. So what was it about the compassionate care, I mean, that particularly structure? I mean, that Eddie Kinsella piece from the Patient Care Network, I thought was wonderful. But what, what bits of it do you think kind of really spoke to what you're interested in in terms of digital? Do you know, I think that for those uh, people who work in healthcare who get involved in digital health technologies, either in their design or development or in leadership, that uh, still come from kind of a, a place where kind of caring is really important. We enter the field of healthcare because we care. It's a kind of a public service, a duty of care. That really matters. And the word compassion um, is something that we perhaps don't always add to every sentence on a new technology, you know, new gadgets, new technologies. It's really, really exciting. Um, but actually to be able to introduce new technologies and safeguard care or enhance the compassionate care that we deliver is maybe slightly new. The Kinsella paper um, rings true to that, but also um, talks about uh, kind of compassion uh, and involving the right people at the right time. And so from that particular paper, it's very much so about a patient and carer voice. And I love the fact that the carer voice is included there too. I mean, I know you are very passionate about behavioral changes. And I think um, the Vine or the Raina Patel paper I thought was very interesting. Uh, what, what, what bit of that did you like the most? You know, I loved the, the series of papers that we included um, that were really honest uh, and reflective from a number of leaders in digital health who've told us a bit about their non-linear journeys into digital health leadership positions. Uh, and kind of that paper on behavioral science is one of them, you know, a clinician um, looking um, to be able to improve uh, ways of working within healthcare uh, and kind of where some of that is about the role of technologies. The bigger focus is on really noticing the ways in which clinicians, clinical teams, but also patients behave. And so rather than introducing new technologies, uh, kind of for technology's sake, if you like, it's taking a step back and first really um, understanding the ways in which people behave um, and kind of, I guess, just kind of deciphering um, what would be kind of, kind of your, your kind of behaviors as defaults so that we can introduce technologies to, to their greatest benefit. So I, I really quite like the, the non-linearity of the career trajectories. I think they really spoke about real world experiences. And it's, it's amazing how often it just seems that almost by accident people fell into roles. Or, But more correctly, I think it's they saw the opportunities came along and they grabbed them, right? And then they moved on with them and developed them. And you need both, you know, you need kind of the opportunity to be there and you also need the skills and the determination, and the perseverance often to kind of uh, develop them and move them forward. Um, so I, I really like those stories. I mean, it's a bit like reading the obituaries in the BMJ. You know, it's full of amazing. <laughs> I know. I, I love the obituaries. It's the thing that I read the most, right? Because um, it's about stories and about real world. Uh, and lives aren't, you know, linear and all nicely mapped out. Um, so I really, I really kind of enjoyed reading about those people and their different 
stories. If you read them, they all have very kind of subtly but kind of obvious differences in, in how they've approached it. And that's a reflection of their career paths and, you know, their experiences. So I, I loved reading about that. I felt really honoured to kind of be part of that. And partly because I, I suppose I'm a, no, a nosy person. <laughs> there is something about being kind of curious to kind of the decisions uh, kind of individuals have made uh, to carve and craft their their careers. You're right with that. And also kind of looking uh, back on, on, I guess, the, the portfolio of um, kind of papers that make up that section uh, of the, the journal. It's multidisciplinary, too. It's not, you know, kind of a, a doctor of sorts, um, but you've got a number of different uh, kind of clinicians from different professions. Uh, you've got various physiotherapists there. You've got a dentist included, too. And that's what I really love. Um, there does seem to be kind of a, a common thread of uncertainty and kind of trying to search for opportunities uh, kind of across digital health that aren't always as obvious um, kind of as they, they perhaps are kind of now. Um, and, and yeah, you'll see you're absolutely right with that, that the nonlinear journeys, the idea of a portfolio career, kind of more and more that's becoming the norm. And that if you were to go back five, 10 years, that didn't really exist in the same way. I love the fact I come across more and more people who will have a clinical grounding, but also work in quality improvement and also work in digital transformation and have really good knowledge uh, kind of and be quite technically proficient. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's kind of several people on there who are really fascinating. Uh, talking about portfolio careers, if you look at uh, Sam Shah, who you know, did a very nice piece, his career is phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, you know, all sorts Absolutely. of different things. You know, he's got his finger in lots of different pies. It's all about energy and expertise and competence, but he's not afraid to take a risk. It's not the same as, you know, I'm going to go down this one straightforward path and do this and that and kind of carry on. He's very open to new things. And I think that's a really uh, amazing thing to see. And your know, technology and clinical, you know, skills around that doesn't have to be boring. Um, having said talks about non-linearity, I think um, probably the thing that I enjoyed reading the most, or sorry, I thought was the most important maybe uh, in many ways was the um, this paper about digital upskilling for everybody by Ami Banerjee. Uh, I thought that was amazing. I think it's a real, real need, as we've talked about. And it's not just about selecting a really small number of the usual candidates to be given important positions. I mean, they make a really powerful, passionate argument for saying that there should be training and upskilling for everyone. That digital skills and digital technology and that mindset to lead to digital transformation needs to be at the heart of all our uh, professional uh, development because it's you know it's coming the revolution is coming towards us and COVID has accelerated it but it was coming anyway and if we don't uh, make sure that clinicians know how to use it properly and that they're all engaged you know as a whole diverse group it won't be done as well as it could be and that will have an impact on our patients care so I think I'm passionate about that fact that we need to train more people we need people to understand that district technology is going to affect how we deliver care to everyone and everyone needs to be involved. And I think that key of you know, diversity and how inclusivity, it's not just you know, uh, consultant cardiologists who work in London who should be doing this. It should be everyone. And uh, again, one of... There's a time I'm going to quote you on that, you know. <laughs> uh, obviously, it should only be me when it's important, right? But uh, I mean, you know, it, it, it should be everyone. I think we have to get everyone on board. 
you know, we, we, we've got to get the admin You're staff, right. you know, all the allied health professionals and a full diversity in, in every sense of that word involved. And as part of that, I think, you know, the, 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 the piece from uh, the Shuri Network, which, you know, as a sci-fi buff and a uh, comic fan, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, I love beyond all belief, right? Because I can't, I can't believe someone would call themselves Shuri, <laughs> right? After the Black Panther movie, I just love that. But I think they're... It's the best part. The best. And what they stand exactly. for, you're absolutely right, is so incredibly important. And at no better time, you know, to be able to showcase their successes. Uh, and, you know, kind of, it's slightly different if we were to compare, you know, the kind of two of the papers that, that sit within the edition, the Shuri Network and the ways in which the network advocates um, for, for kind of uh, building a, a kind of a supportive network uh, of future digital leaders that really celebrate diversity, that, you know, talk through the intersectionality between race and gender. I love that. And it's by contrast, I guess, to a different and more traditional approach taken by the Digital Academy. Again, three years in and having achieved a tremendous amount in that time, those two papers reflect two very different approaches to building a future digital health workforce. And it's lovely to see that actually they can coexist, albeit that they seek to achieve slightly different things. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I have to declare a conflict of interest because I was in cohort one of the Digital Academy diploma course. And then uh, <laughs> I loved it so much, uh, much to my wife's delight that I decided to do the master's as well. Uh, having told her if I ever do anything like this again, shoot me. Right. Um, so I did it because I think it was amazing. And I learned so, so much. Uh, but I was acutely aware of my privilege in, in being one of the, you know, only for initially that year was 100 people. And eventually it's only going to be 300 in total. It's year three now right, of people who could able to take advantage of that. And again, the thing that really struck me, a bit similar to the Shuri Network, was the network, right? The network of people that I met, you know, some really smart, uh, you know, kind of passionate, driven people. And as someone who's been a clinician for a long time and working hard i know consult cardiology think don't work hard but you know often they do um right so you know to kind of come into that net area be stimulated and learn new things and uh, but importantly see myself as a digital leader because that's one of the things a lot of clinicians will do projects or will be involved in it projects but they don't really see themselves as a digital leader and it's kind of trying to undergo that mental change to say actually I am a clinician, but I'm interested in this because this is key to how I deliver care, right? And I'm going to be leading on this. And clinicians are often very bad at that. I think what I'm hoping is that we will try to address that a bit more and try to bring them on board, you know, and it will be about involving clinicians at all stages of the transformation process. I mean, there's something really nice about having a structured education program and kind of it is important to note that not everyone can access that there is always a risk of creating a digital elite of sorts and I think that's a really important uh, aspect to deliberate one of the papers that really struck a chord with me um, was the one from Adam Igra uh, and during COVID I you know I'm just blown away by the number of papers that we have received 
but also the number of papers that reflect some of the experiential learning uh, from the front line. And this is an example of that. You know, it's an ITU environment. They've taken frugal kind of innovative technologies. They've put webcams um, by the side of ITU pa- kind of the ITU patients and used that as a means of creating effective communication across the team, um, especially where they were practicing social distancing, but also, you know, uh, kind of one of the greatest motivating uh, factors for, for this particular piece of work was to be able to join families to their loved ones, especially those who were particularly unwell uh, on ITU and, and alone. And I wonder whether it kind of would be a, kind of a byproduct of those people on a, a structured and relatively expensive training program that could enable that kind of frontline innovation during a crisis, um, or perhaps it's kind of more localized and having local um, infrastructure support facilitating agents that are available locally. I I don't know that anybody um, who wrote that paper perhaps would have been on kind of a a formalized educational pathway into digital leadership. But where I look for inspiration for the ways in which I would love to be able to lead change within healthcare, that certainly makes me think of something that I'd want to aspire towards. So, I mean, I, I love that, um, love that paper. And I love that project. And for those of you who are interested, uh, there is a video of the two of the leads on uh, RCP Player, uh, which talks about uh, what they do. And you can see them. The bit that I love most about it is, and one of the things that going back to Digital Academy, is that interaction between IT and clinicians, which I think is key, right? So one of the authors, Adam Igre, is a, a transformation lead. And the other one is an ITU uh, consultant. Um, and if you think about what's happening during the middle of, you know, the biggest pandemic for a century, you know, the Brompton where it was overwhelmed, lots of patients with ECMO, you know, it'd be very easy to say, you know what, we're overwhelmed with work. This is too much. We can't do any more. But actually they saw a need and it was driven by that need to help uh, relatives see their, their loved ones. And they came up with a solution, working together. So they worked in tandem and in partnership. And, you know, there were obviously uh, obstacles in their way, but they pushed through them with perseverance, you know, humor um, and efficiency. Right. So they got something done really, really quickly. And that's what I love about that. You know, it's the partnership, the speed. And as you say, real life change, you know, IT projects often take, you know, three to five years to show any benefit. I mean, they got that up and running in six weeks. I mean, amazing, amazing work. And for, you know. It's incredible, hey? There's so much to learn from that. You almost want to be able to package that up and be able to take the very best of what enabled that to, to happen and sustain to be able to apply elsewhere. And I wonder if some of that work is underway. I, I'm not sure it is. I think we, we underestimate the power of um, collaboration. Now, I, I, you know, I'm not a big yeah. committee person. I don't believe that we need to have 50 people in a committee. But actually, the, what those two people did, or three, or three or four people did, there weren't many of them, right? There were clinicians in IT who got together, saw a real problem. And actually, you could say, was there a need from a, you know, an organizational perspective that need to be addressed? Not really, because the organization wasn't focused on that necessarily. But these people, these clinicians saw that, their patients' relatives weren't being engaged. And they went, how can we engage? And IT came out and said, you know, this is how we can do it. Let us help. 
and the amount of effort people put into making something happen. Because I've got, of course, I know this might seem very strange for many people, but many of the people in IT, in the NHS, work because they care. Just like clinicians, they want to uh, deliver care and they, they love the fact they're in the NHS, right? And so sometimes I feel really upset about the barriers that seem to exist between IT and clinicians. And the reason I really love that paper is it showcases how what can happen if the two sides work together as one team. You deliver things that make an immediate, you know, and substantial impact. I mean, it was amazing. I, I, I really, really loved it. Do you know, it, yeah, no, it was amazing. And I guess also it loops in some of the other papers. It, I guess, loops back to behavioral design, you know, the motivations uh, that kind of were, were underlying for that particular project really did um, kind of link in to, to the way in which the clinical team were working, uh, the barriers that they were experiencing in real time, and understanding clinical need. It was actually not about the technology at all. The technology was a vehicle to deliver change. And that's perhaps something we need to embrace and celebrate. So I, I think that's a really key theme for me. So I think that if I was to say, what are the themes of this kind of whole issue? One, it's about digital upskilling, right? Very much, we need to train everybody. We need everyone to be engaged and involved, not necessarily in formal training, but at least some way of being able to train. I think it's about compassion uh, and also about trying to make things relevant to patients, right? And I think it's about partnerships between lots of different types of professions and IT. So I think for me, those were the things that I thought were really important. Um, I mean, of course, that I learned a lot from this. Uh, one of the main things I learned was working with you, Sheena. It was a real pleasure to put this together. <laughs> and I learned lots from how you do, how you do things. So, uh, I mean, I, uh, this was a new experience for me, get, editing a, uh, an issue. I've done papers, et cetera, but never edited an issue. So that was really fascinating and something I would encourage people to do. So for me, it was an amazing experience. And I hopefully uh, our uh, readers will enjoy uh, the, the diversity of articles and the breadth and depth of the information uh, that's there for them. Absolutely. And kind of echoing that, it was likewise an incredible opportunity to work together. I think we had a real kind of sense of deliberation in the way in which we both commissioned, curated and set out the edition. And with that in mind, hopefully kind of as a consequence through the readership, it will spark relevant and meaningful discussions. And, and hopefully, kind of the authors will be able to share a little bit more about their experiences uh, and perhaps kind of create kind of future collaborations on the back of being able to share what they have. So I think that's, uh, thank you so much for this. And I think we're probably going to sign off now. Thank you for reading our themed issue and thank you for allowing me to part of it, Sheena. <laughs>